Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Hey friends, it is an awesome day to be here on the No Podcast, and today we have one of the most magical humans I know, Tina Vandervin. Tina is the co-founder and chief strategy officer of New Star Media, and in my time getting to know her, it is crystal clear that she is a total boss and a woman who truly empowers other women. On this episode, we will get to hear about Tina's big why and what motivates her, along with her family's journey to immigrating to the U.S. and the impact that that has had on her life. This episode is jam-packed with goodness and major quotable moments, so make sure you have your notes app opened. And with that, let's dive right in. Hey, Tina. Hi. Good morning, Nikki. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I mean, it's amazing what and who you start to attract into your life uh, once you put things out into the universe. Like Everything about how we met was I I use the word serendipitous a lot. I feel like that's a theme that's going on in my life right now, but I really feel like meeting you was serendipitous and I'm I'm just so grateful. The feeling is mutual, Nikki. And and I said that about you right after we met. The universe brings these people into your lives. And as the adage goes, there's a season, a reason, a lifetime, but I genuinely feel like there was a true purpose for me to meet you. And I'm not just saying that to, to be hokey, but I feel genuinely blessed that our mutual friend brought us together. We met through our mutual close friend who also has amazing energy and a very savvy skill of connecting women who are on the same wavelength. And that happened to be us. And it's funny because after our meetings and just getting to know you a little bit better, I started to call you the great connector. And it's just, it's awesome because there's so many women that have now like begun to walk into my life that are that like they're the great connectors of energy and you are one of those people without having known each other before we were we we're also committee members for the Perez Art Museum their annual fundraiser uh, kids jam at Pam and it's funny because at the as the universe would have it we think alike and we ask the same type of questions in those meetings. And so in a way, without even knowing each other, we were already connecting. We were already on the same wavelength. That said, there's no doubt that you have a huge influence on our community affairs in South Florida. And it really seems like that is also a key part of your identity and personal mission, which we'll get into in a bit. But I want to talk about your professional role now. Uh, You're a total boss in PR and marketing with an undeniable magnetic quality. Tell us exactly what you do in your position. And the big question is why? Thank you, Nikki, for those kind words. So my my current position is I'm the co-founder and the chief strategy officer of New Star Media. So my business partner and I joined forces in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, and started this integrated marketing communications company. We are a full service marketing company that does everything from branding, 
to public relations, to crisis management, to business development, to creative services, digital marketing, you name it, we do it all in-house with a senior team of experts who are really savvy in the field. We basically serve a multitude of industries, anything from a, a farming client to real estate, to hospitality, to law and the, and the legal services, which is my background, a restaurant, um, you know, you name it, that's what we do. Prior to starting New Star Media, I was the director of marketing at Greenberg Chorig. I was there for almost 12 years. And then wow. prior to that, I was at Ernst & Young. That's where I found my love for marketing. And it was completely serendipitous. I started off as a health policy analyst. And I was writing white papers for biotech and pharma companies. And just as sheer luck and fate would have it, I was given a marketing project to do as a favor. And that's where I realized that I was in love with marketing. Wow. That's amazing. It's awesome how things just like fall into your lap sometimes and then you can run with it. It sounds like you've put together this team of experts who have background in the field just like you do, you know, with their own unique experiences. New Star came to be last year and you celebrated, well, you recently celebrated your one year anniversary of your business, you know, yeah. and having survived the and hopefully thrived in the in the pandemic, you know, that must have been really daunting and it it you must have had to rely on your team and the teamwork aspect. How did you even come to meet the other people on your team? Like, how did you put that together? Like starting a business and putting that team together as I'm learning now is super scary sometimes. It's hard. Jolie Balito is my business partner. We're very grateful that we were able to flourish and to succeed through the pandemic. But like we have, we advise every company that we worked with during the pandemic and we continue to tell them this, success comes with sweat equity. Feeling sorry or being scared isn't going to help you. The people who win are the people who are consistently hungry. And I even tell my kids this, look at Tom Brady. It doesn't matter how many times he wins the Super Bowl. It's never enough. He's always aspiring to, you know, to do it better, to train harder, to have the best team around him. How we were able to start off with New Star Media and, and to eventually attain success was number one with sweat equity. Number two is really relying on your networks. As my husband always told me, and we've been together for 20 years, the one thing that he learned in MBA school, and, and this is a, you know, it's common sense, is don't burn bridges. Really uh, do work with integrity, respect your colleagues, maintain those relationships, make it authentic, reach out to people because you genuinely care. It's not because you want something out of them. And I've been able to nurture these relationships through the years, through my time at at Greenberg through Ernst & Young, through boards that I sit on. And, and my networks really rallied by my side. Um, and of course, Jolie's networks rallied by her side. And so when we came together, we already had a really good group of individuals and companies that said, we trust you guys. And, and this, the key to success is trust. That's how, that's how you get clients. We trust you. We believe in you. We know your track record. We want to hire you. And so through my marketing experience and through Jolie's marketing experience and her PR experience, namely, and because she had owned a PR agency in the past, she knew a lot of the key players in the industry. So those key players eventually ended up joining us at New Star Media. And that's how our team came together. That's amazing. The trust element is like huge. When I'm hearing that trust element is just big time and you're the personal network, I think a lot of us sometimes feel nervous to reach out into our personal network to talk about the things that we're doing because we don't want to sound like we are asking for favors, but really it's, it's a give and take, right? Like what you give comes back to you, right? 
And when you talked about like burning bridges, man, let me tell you something. In my earlier days, I was a serial bridge burner. How horrible is that? I was a bridge burner. Like I was had this horrible chip on my shoulder and if things didn't go my way, I was just like, I was ready to burn the bridge. And it has taken a long time for me to step out of having that attitude. And it was rooted in lack mindset. It was not abundant. It was fear-based. And fortunately, I was able to do a lot of work to grow out of that where now, you know, it's, I mentioned in the beginning about like the people you attract into your life. Like I'm now able to attract those people in your life, in my life, because I have had a huge attitude shift. And I think that for people who are starting out, it can be really um, intimidating to have to do that when people are typically scared of failure, fear, scared of looking stupid or bad or reaching out and asking for those favors, we can all serve each other in a way. It sounds like you've been doing that. And, and I'm, I'm like getting to a space where I've like, I'm like the, a retired bridge burner and I'm all about like mending bridges and creating bridges now. And it sounds like you've been doing that for your entire career. You know, like some people catch on to it sooner than later. And it sounds like that's something that you've really been able to tap into from the beginning of your story. No one is perfect. Nikki, we we all make mistakes. I have screwed up. I have made mistakes. I have made mistakes that I am sorry for that I, I wish I never did. All we can do is reflect on it and grow from it. It's a matter of really learning from that. I love the fact that you said that when you were a serial bridge burner, you recognize immediately that that comes from operating from a place of fear. I cannot tell you the number of clients or the number of individuals who, like you, who have a gift. We each have a gift that we've been given. And so many of us want to do something with this gift, but we're so damn scared, Nikki. We're so free to move forward, to utilize that gift, to do something with it, because so we're so afraid about how our family will respond to it, or our friends, or society, or our significant other, or our kids. And before you know it, you haven't even taken one step forward. All you do is hold yourself back. I have been there. I've done that. And a, and a big part of my life has been about like really understanding who I truly am, what I truly want to do with my life. Who am I? Because sometimes we get so consumed by what we should be and not what we want to be. There's so many reasons why, but it's a matter of really being introspective, forgiving yourself, trying to understand what you need to do to make things better and just like pursuing that goal. I could not agree more. And it took a long time for me to really understand that. That forgiveness part of it is important. It's almost as if the forgiveness isn't really to other people. It's it's for other people. It's for ourselves so that we can move on. So we can move on and then step into our power, which is what this is all about. Like, right, I'm trying to talk to women like you who are stepping into their inner knowing and their ultimate power and living their lives fearlessly and most in the most authentic way possible. How did Tina get here? How did you get here? What is the story behind this strong woman? Can you tell me um, about your immigration to the States and what that was like for you and your family? I think if I had to identify one major piece of my life story that really is a catalyst for who I am today, it's it's my my background. I was born in Tehran, Iran, which is the capital of, of Iran. My parents left Iran when I was three months old because there was a a, a, a major war that was breaking you know breaking out in, in in Iran, and they felt that they didn't want to raise their daughter in that country. Um, so they fled Iran and moved to the U.S. in 1979. I was again three months old. 
Um, My dad was previously married and had two kids from his first marriage. And now he had married at that time, married my mom, who was 14 years younger than him and had a newborn infant and came to the US and and basically had a couple of suitcases and everything that they owned um, ultimately ended up getting bombed in the war. So they lost everything. So my mom, who was very young with me, and now a stepmother to, to two older boys, had to learn the language, immerse herself with a new culture, had to figure out who she was and, and had to make a life because now they have three, three mouths to feed in the United States with virtually nothing. That story, which so many people who are listening to this podcast today, it, it will resonate with them because they also have their stories as being immigrants or their families were immigrants that came to this great country. So my parents settled in Davie, Florida, of all places, which I love and adore. And they're still in that in the same house 42 years later. Wow. My dad ended up buying a body shop, had no experience running a body shop, learned the ropes. My mom was just about to finish up her master's degree in child psychology and never completed it because she wanted to help my father run this body shop. My life story, my childhood was spent going to the body shop on the weekends, answering phones, cleaning glass with Windex, welcoming customers, and watching my dad and my mom just hustle and 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 do their best like all they did and i can say this in retrospect my parents really never did anything from the for them themselves. All the money that they made went to sending my brothers and I to to school. We went to a private school and their goal was we came to this country to give you these opportunities. Like the greatest gift you can give us is to get a great education and do something with your life. That's always been our life goal. What were your family's expectations of you in your schooling and your education? And how did that affect your professional aspiration? That's a great question. I still continue to reflect on this question because when I was growing up, I felt that my dream was to become a pediatrician. I wanted to be a doctor. Now, we know we joke with cultural stereotypes, especially being Persian, that when you're Persian, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. We all laugh about this. But my dad, here he was as an entrepreneur. My mom, you know, by default became an entrepreneur with my father. But all of my mom's brothers were engineers and doctors. And the same thing on my father's side. So I went through life saying, I'm going to become a doctor. I even went to the University of Miami and I, I majored in psychology and I double minored in biology and chemistry with the hopes of going to medical school. And it wasn't until I moved to Boston, I left UM, moved to Boston to become a clinical researcher. And I had the hardest time because as I was doing clinical research, I realized that I did not want to become a doctor. That wasn't where my heart was. And you know, to this day, I'm grateful that by luck, I fell in love with marketing and that my parents eventually kind of rallied around the idea of, oh my God, their daughter's not going to become a doctor. She's in this field of marketing. Like, what is this? They were very supportive in the end. And I know that they're proud of me today. That's so important to have your family support. I feel like we're going against the grain in a lot of ways when they are not 100% behind us. And I think as individuals, it's really difficult to separate ourselves from our parents' expectations or whoever our, our mentor, the important adult in our life, like what they expect for us and still having the courage to stand up and say, I'm going to do this. Whether anybody supports you or not, hoping that they do come around, you know, eventually. I definitely can relate to that uh, in my in my professional 
journey and really in, in my education, I had kind of like the opposite. Like nobody expected me to go to school. Like nobody expected me to like do anything. And I was like, hello guys, I want to do something. I'm like, wait, no, I'm going to go to school. So like I had this an odd sort of motivation in that like people didn't expect me to graduate from college. It wasn't like something that was important. So I went to school and I paid my way through school and I graduated, you know, at the top of my class, you know, in a way I was motivated by that because there weren't any expectations. So I was like, wait, somebody has to give me expectations. It's so interesting to me to see like how we as individuals are motivated. What motivates us from the inside, from the outside? What are the forces at play here? Hearing your story about these expectations that your family had on you and then having them come around and meet you where you were, it's its really beautiful and its it's inspiring to me. I hope to be able to provide that for my, my own kids and also just come to a place of acceptance where if they don't want to do what I, what I think they should be doing, we have to be aware of it as parents of what we're telling our kids and how we're treating them and, and the stories that we are telling them that are becoming their stories, but ultimately having the awareness to like sit back and say, okay, I'm viewing my children from my situation, from my eyes, still come to a place with them where I can see them for who they are and accept where they're going. And it sounds like your parents really have the ability to do that with you. And that's, that's beautiful. This is an authentic conversation here. There was a lot of pressure almost to the, almost to my own demise. I will tell you that. And the reason why I tell you the story is because it's my biggest fear in being a mom today is that I don't want my children to think that they have to be perfect. It's an important message that I want to put out there because you want to give your children everything you didn't have. You want them to accomplish double, triple what we have today, the, the quintessential parent's dream. My personal story is that watching my dad and my mom sweat through their clothes in this body shop and, and work seven days a week to provide us with the life that we had, my motivational factor was knowing that my parents were sacrificing themselves for us. And so the pressure was on for me personally to get straight A's, to be captain of every team, to be president of every club. And I will tell you, it caused major, major health issues for me in high school. I ended up getting an eating disorder in high school. I was very sick for years. I really battled that. And, and obviously the, the root of that was anxiety and depression, the strive to become perfect. And when you can't control things in your life, and especially when you are, when you're dealing with an eating disorder, the only thing that you can control is food. That became my demon for years and it plagued me. I'm fortunate that today I, I've been able to work through it. I, I lead a healthy life. Being reflective, learning from the past, what can I do better as a parent today is I, I always tell my kids, why do you think a pencil has an eraser? because we make mistakes. I don't want you to be perfect. I don't want you to think you have to ace every test. That doesn't make you a better human. The only right. thing I do ask for is to do your best. And there's a difference between trying your best and being perfect. And that is something that I'm trying to teach my kids. I love that. There's a difference between trying your best and being perfect. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe sauna is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, sauna's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at sauna has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. 
on that note of parenting, you took two years off from your work to be with your family. Why was that important for you? And how has it been important for you to get back into the workforce? So I stepped down from Greenberg Chorik in May of 2017 or 18. I'm losing track now. And it was a really, really tough decision for me because I loved working for the firm. I had an incredible team and you become a family, especially after 12 years. But, you know, unfortunately, I had some major health issues going on within my family, specific to my father. I had somebody else that was dealing with a cancer diagnosis in my family. And I really felt like my world had had imploded. I had two young kids. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to spend as much time with them when I was working at the firm because I was traveling a lot. And so I was able to make the decision with my husband to step down. It was a family decision. And I utilized that time to really be there for my father to be there for my loved one that was was um, that had received a cancer diagnosis and thank God you know he's fine today I made a decision to stay connected okay we, we keep using this word the connector and what I, what I mean by that is I immersed myself got involved in boards in the community I stayed connected to my networks I got involved in different nonprofit committees I became a room mom for my daughter there were just certain ways that I knew that I was I, I had removed myself from the corporate world but I couldn't disengage myself from from society because I feel like I felt like I was going to go into depression that really helped me during those two years and I think it was a key part of our success in me going from not working to back to the grind and starting a company because I always stayed connected to people during that time. It's so important. Like you think about all the moms that are struggling um, with their new roles as mothers. And I've spoken about it so many times and it's like that, your mom network, your just your social network, whatever it is, you gotta stay connected. Any mom knows, even most parents know these days, it's like that being a stay-at-home mom is also work. So let's talk about that. Please do, please. First of all, I bow down, literally bowing down to every stay-at-home mom. I was able to have the experience of being the working mom and then being the the stay-at-home mom. And both roles are so hard. When I was working, I had this guilt all the time of working and being away from my kids. And then when I was at home, I would have people saying to me, well, when are you going back to work? And I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, you can't win. If you're working, pat yourself on the back. If you're a stay-at-home mom, pat yourself on the back. It is so damn hard. One thing that I wish women would do is stop being so hard on themselves or stop judging another mom, whether she's working or she's not working. The struggle is real. Like we're all in this together. Whatever makes the most sense for you and whatever it is that you need to do, honor that, respect that, like pat yourself on the back and just like own it. Stop worrying about what other people think. The competition between women actually feeds to toxic patriarchy, which I want to also put a disclosure out there or disclaimer, like the patriarchy, the toxic patriarchy is not all men. You know, I have this conversation with my husband sometimes. He's like, wait, but I'm not part of that. I'm like, okay, listen, not all men are part of the toxic patriarchy. It's not even a, like necessarily a person. It's an attitude. It's a thought process that we all, all of us have to try to break. Women are part of it. We are part of the problem. When we compete against each other, when we turn on each other, it is part of a greater problem. And these are things that we have to really be willing to look at as women, as sisters. Let's talk about women supporting women. There's a part of it that is um, 
it's a facade. Yes, girl power, but we're still in competition with one another. But then there's like a huge legitimate movement of women that are really interested in supporting one another. Why is this so important? We we need it. Us, you know, taking an axe and 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 you know and, and going after each other is is not the key to success in society. We need to help each other. We need to lift each other. We need to support one another. We have a power within us. Why do we utilize this power to tear each other down? How is that going to help anybody? It's baffling to me. Why wouldn't I connect you to somebody else and see you succeed? I love nothing more than mentoring women. I could probably make a whole freaking career out of it. And I'm not just saying that to be overzealous. I love seeing women and men kick butt. I I have no greater joy than seeing someone come to me with an idea, like a seed. And they're like, I want to do X. And then a year later, after working with that person, their company is crushing it. It went from being a seed and an idea to an actual business. And they are running with it. That, that's something that I love. You know, again, maybe it's because now I'm operating from less of a place of fear and from a place of confidence. I want to use that confidence and that love and that passion to help somebody else. I want to see more women coming together. I want to hear less about the drama and the gossip. That doesn't do anything. And I just had this conversation yesterday with, with a woman who went to a dinner and there were people kind of gossiping about things. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like you're guilty by association. I don't want to be a part of that. You know, I, I want peace in my life. To utilize time to tear each other down, I'm just not interested. It's a waste of energy and it's just bad juju. It is totally bad juju. And another thing is like, I come back to this like concept of, of abundance. You take your gift and you give it away. You give your gift away. And it comes back to you and it spreads and it goes into other another person's heart and another person's mind. And then we continue to spread it. When we do not do that because we are scared that someone else might be better at our gift than we are, we become like hoarders. We hoard our gift. So we don't even release it, right? We're more likely to hoard our gift. No, there isn't enough. It's only for me. I can only hold on to this because there's only enough for me. And we don't want to share it and we don't want to give it away. That is like total lack of mindset. You can't compete with me because I want you to win too. You and I can have a very similar gift. You and I can have a very similar professional aspiration. We can both be successful because guess what? I'm not you and you're not me. Like we're each entitled to our own unique gifts and our own method of delivery and no one is you and that is your power. When we hold on to our gifts and we are less likely to share them with other women who are hoping to prosper and become amazing at whatever it is they're pursuing, you know, we're doing a disservice to women everywhere and a disservice to the sisterhood. There is a really open-minded group of women out there that are saying, you know what? There's enough for all of us and we're going to go get it. We are going to go get it. I want to talk about now, like what you do in the community growing up here, it radiates from you is that you are passionate about your South Florida community and you are killing it in the community. You are doing the things. You are a woman of your word. So let's talk about that. Thank you. I'm involved in various boards. I'm actually uh, proud to say that I'm going to become, I will be the incoming co-chairwoman of the board of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Miami. BBBS Miami is something that's very near and dear to me. And I'll, I'll kind of get into that in a little bit as to why. Um, I'm also on the board of Christie House, which is another nonprofit, you know, in South Florida that's near and dear to me because I, I know many 
um, individuals in my life that that have unfortunately been victims of child sexual abuse. And, and that's the mission and goal is to provide free therapeutic services to child victims. I call the individuals um, that work at Christie House, the business staff and the team, they're, they're angels for the work that they do. So those are the two nonprofit boards that I'm on. I serve on a multitude of committees, one being the Kids Jam for, for the Prez Art Museum that you and I are on. I just co-chaired the United Way Women United Breakfast, and that was an amazing experience. Again, talking about sisterhood and women coming together and women's leadership. You know, a lot of people ask me this, like, you know, what's the catalyst? What is the purpose of you being involved? And it really, again, comes down to me being an immigrant that came to this country with nothing and, and watching my parents hustle. And I'm grateful. I'm indebted. I'm, I'm blessed. I feel eternally grateful for the life that my parents were able to create for us here, for the life that my husband and I, with our own sweat, sweat equity, have been able to build here. And I feel like it's our civic duty. And people forget this. It's our civic duty to roll up our sleeves and give back. We all have to. There is no excuse. There are so many people, especially in the midst of COVID, that are really having a hard time. And if you have the ability to walk into a, a, an infrastructure with a roof over your head and food on the table and drive your cars and go out to dinner, then you have no excuse. You have to give back. Help your fellow man. Help your fellow woman. Like Help your neighbors. Help your community. For me, with Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Miami, it's very focused on mentoring. I always felt like the odd woman out. You know, I'm, a, I'm an Iranian in South Florida in the 80s in the midst of a turbulent war. And that was really difficult. You know, I dealt with a lot of hostility and I got bullied because where, where I was from. When I think of Big Brothers, Big Sisters and the ability to, to provide a little, a young child with a big, I wish I had that when I was that little girl, confused, having an identity crisis, trying to understand who I am and how the hell I got here. So that's really kind of the nexus of why BBBS is so important to me because I, having been a big, know firsthand the transfer, the transformative effect that mentoring has on a child. And then with again, with Christie House, there's no real, you don't even need to explain it. Knowing what it does, providing three, free therapeutic services to children and families, children who've been victims of child sexual abuse, like there's no, there's, there are no words. And it's one of the toughest boards I sit on. It's, it's, it's emotional, especially because I know firsthand people very close to me who've been victims of it. And we need to do this in our community. Why the hell else are we here? Yes, we can be a mom. I can be a wife. I can work. But if I die tomorrow, Nikki, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy for my kids. I want them to know what giving back is, that it's not just writing a check. It's rolling up your sleeves. It's showing up to the table and really making a difference. Have your kids been able to participate in any of your philanthropic projects? Yes. Last year, um, unfortunately, when, when COVID had hit, um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters pivoted very quickly thanks to the leadership and the love and the passion of Gail Nelson, who was a dear friend of mine. He quickly realized that he needed to put together a food distribution drive for the families of BBBS Miami. I thought that it was very important that my youngest child, who's five, who was at the time four, my daughter, Sienna, um, went with my husband, put on their masks, had all their protective gear on and dropped off food at the center and it was very illuminating for Sienna in particular because she saw the lines of cars that were waiting to receive food and she couldn't understand why. 
And my husband explained it to her and it was, it was very shocking for her. I have an older son. He's, he's eight years old. And um, when he was younger, we did a Valentine's day party at the chat at Chapman, which has a homeless shelter and a head start school. And that was another very eye-opening experience where he, he couldn't believe it. Homelessness situation, the fact that these children were in need of supplies and that people live differently. And it was one of those, wow, you know, we're so fortunate to have what we have. And now I understand why mommy does this. Having been a teacher also, it's like I've seen the power of service, right? Like being a teacher for in an inner city middle school, I was still able to get my students involved in service. And so we volunteered with the Miami Learning Experience School um, for children and adults with special needs. And it's incredible to see the impact that giving has on the giver. These kids who, um, you know, they were, they were my, they're my dance team and they, they, you know, they didn't have like a walk in the park life, you know, it, they had, they had their share of struggles and they still were able to give back and it wound up be, it wound up being so fulfilling for them in return. And I think that way about service in general. And I also think, and this is pretty important, is like I didn't have the things that I have now, you know, when I was growing up, and neither did my husband. But our children will have a very fortunate life. Like I think about my two kids and they will have a very fortunate life. And how are we going to keep them grounded and keep them aware of the real world and give them a real world perspective. And it is my belief, I think as parents, it's also our duty to include our children in service, in acts of service, whether that's through a church or another community service organization to get the kids involved. The connection that you made with Gail. So Gail is your close friend and the great connector that you are, you honored me with the privilege of meeting Gail, whose podcast I got to be a guest on. And so that was, we were talking about it earlier. It was such a magical experience for me. And I got to go through all of those heartfelt stories of, of my upbringing um, with him. And so I'm just so grateful that I got to meet Gail and become re-involved with Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Miami. And so I just wanted to thank you for, for that and and tell you how much I appreciate you for, for putting that on my radar and connecting Gail and myself. Your story is, is so powerful. I like using the word story because Nikki, we, we all have a story. You know, we've talked a little bit today um, about some tidbits of my story. You have a story. Everybody has a story. And, you know, I think it's almost, it's, it's, it's calming for people to be reminded of that, that, you know, life isn't what you see on social media. That, that's not real life. There's a lot of beautiful things about social media. I do marketing, so I'm not discounting that. You had a raw, authentic, real conversation with Gail. And I'm glad that you were able, again, firsthand to walk into the building and to see the magic of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And there are, don't get me wrong, there are so many incredible nonprofits in this community, but we are eternally grateful that you were able to go in there see the magnetic force of the building, um, and then also experience the magic of Gail. And hopefully become a big sister soon. I'm really looking forward yes. to that opportunity and that possibility. So I'm really excited. You know, you touched on something about stories. It's like the power of storytelling. I, I might not have all the answers and the no podcast isn't about being a know-it-all. It's about knowing myself and telling stories of other women who have known themselves or have come into that place of deep knowing within themselves. And so I would like to close, what message do you have for your female peers and women who are hoping to find themselves? My message is to not operate from a place of fear. Allow yourself time to be introspective, 
build that time into your life, whether it's doing yoga, uh, taking a walk, listening to music, listening to a podcast, writing it in a, writing your dreams, your ideas, your aspirations in a journal. It's never too late to really pursue the dreams that you want and surround yourself with good people. You can have the best intentions. You can walk away from the fear. You can take all the right measures. But if you're not surrounded by people who are not there to like to lift you up and to say, you can freaking do this, then you're really putting yourself in trouble. Your tribe, your village, your support system is really critically important to your success in pursuing whatever dream it is. But love yourself, appreciate yourself. We have to pat ourselves on the back. It's not easy what we do day to day. And we're grateful for individuals like you, Nikki, that provide an inspiring platform for all of us to turn to keeping it real and creating a community. So I'm really grateful for that as well. Tina Vanderven, thank you so much. You are a magical human being. I am just so, so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code, the no glow for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Thank you for listening to The Know. I hope you'll join me again soon. If you loved my podcast, it would mean the world to me if you left a review. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo. And be sure to check out my website, NikkiSpo.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.